0: For the past 20 years, you've enjoyed the refreshing tropical lime flavor of Mountain Dew Baja Blast. So in celebration of this milestone, we're bringing Baja Blast in stores nationwide. And for a limited time with every purchase of Baja Blast, you can collect coins for a chance to get Baja gear or a Taco Bell deal. 2024 is the year of Baja Blast. In stores now, no purchase necessary. Open to U.S. residents 18 plus. Subject to official rules at BajaBlast.com and 61524. Void where prohibited. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to Fantasy Football Today, Dynasty. I am your host, Heath Cummings. Joined today on my good friend, Jacob Gibbs. And get excited, it is Puka Nakua Day. You can see the smile on Jacob's face. No one's more excited about this than he is. Yeah, man, so good to, uh,
1: to be Puka Nakua Day. Like, wow, I... <laughs> was really excited for them all off season, obviously, and now we're actually here and it's still a little surreal. (laughs)
0: I've had a number of tweets that have come in before I even mentioned that that's like going to be kind of the the highlight of what we talk about and we'll get to it in just a minute. Of course, we've got the big Nick Chubb news. That's what we'll talk about first. We've got some deep waiver wire ads for you a little later in the show. We'll talk about some dynasty risers and fallers and a couple of wide receiver duos on the same team that I have ranked very close to each other and kind of struggle with who I prefer. We'll get Jacob's definitive answer on that. But 1st we have to start with the bad news. An absolutely gruesome injury to Nick Chubb last night. Um obviously first we we hope he's okay and uh hopefully he recovers and we get to see him play football. He's been arguably the best runner in the NFL since he entered the league. And now turning 28 in another month or two, season-ending some sort of surgery coming, Jacob. Um I guess well, let's start with with the angle of that that like people might might be actionable. How, what do you think this backfield looks like without Chubb?
1: It was pretty much all Jerome Ford on Monday night, and I think that they really like Jerome Ford all all summer. They had the opportunity to go get someone else. They let Cream walk, Cream um, Hunt. There were plenty of running backs they could have signed, and Jerome Ford was injured leading up all through preseason and everything. And they didn't. The only acquisition they made was going and getting Pierre Strong for really cheap. And I I think that they're pretty committed to him. And so I'm I'm pretty excited about him. I liked him um as a prospect. I think he profiles pretty strongly and obviously we saw the big play potential last night. Um yeah, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see if they sign somebody.
0: Right. I, I did see um some suggestions they might be in the Cam Akers market. Yeah. Um I I don't know that we have much reason to think Cam Akers is better than Jerome Ford right now. Um there's I have a I've seen a lot of people speculating on Kareem Hunt, obviously, but they already chose Jerome Ford over Kareem Hunt once right. this season. So I don't I I am more working under the assumption that it might be like a 60-30, maybe like what it's been with Chubb and Hunt in the past, with Ford in that Chubb role, except maybe catching more passes. Um, probably a borderline number two. Listen, we've had a lot of backup running backs who have disappointed us already in the first two weeks of the NFL season. So there's some concern there. But do you view Ford more as someone who might get this job and then become a starting running back for a, a three or four year stretch? Or do you think this is a he's like a patchwork guy for 2023?
1: Probably a patchwork guy. Um yeah. he doesn't necessarily profile as a three down guy. He's a fifth round pick. Um, so he's exciting. He's got the opportunity here. I do think he's got some juice, but yeah, I wouldn't go overboard with it.
0: So when J.K. Dobbins tore his Achilles, well, I guess it was a week ago, two weeks ago, um, somebody had him on their roster, and they basically sent out a, a, a blast. They were tilting. He said, first person to offer me a fourth-round pick for J.K. Dobbins, you you can have him. And so I sent a fourth-round pick. I'm going to put him on the IR. We'll see if if he's able to play football again. But Chubb, he's been healthy, except for that injury in college. Now, this is a pretty major knee injury like I said, he'll turn 28 before the before this year turns to 2024. Do, do you have any hope on, like, this is the kind of guy, and I got tweeted about it earlier, said, I had stashed Jerome Ford just for this moment. I am tanking this year. Somebody offered, I put him on the block as soon as this happened last night. Somebody offered me Nick Chubb for him in a dynasty league. I don't know that I want to take that.
1: That's really interesting. I I think I prefer the long-term outlook for Chubb still. Um, it's tough. We don't know exactly what he's going to be when, he's, when he gets back, but I don't think Nick Chubb is somebody whose ability is necessarily predicated on his athleticism. I think he could still be a really good running back even if he doesn't have quite as much juice. I think fundamentally he's one of the best running backs we've ever seen. Um, so yeah. I, I want to believe
0: that is really interesting <laughs> comparing the two yeah, well, yeah, because like obviously, if you're play, like if you're factoring in this year, Ford gets a big boost from the fact that you could actually use him. But just looking at it from next year forward, I just don't know. and I think the other thing is like obviously that relationship with Chubb and the Browns seems pretty special. And so I would assume they will get it worked out. But I believe he has a four million dead cap hit after this year, and he has like a fifteen million dollar contract next year. So he's going to be in that Aaron Jones, Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook conversation next offseason of does he take the pay cut, cut to stay on the Browns because they're not paying him what his current contract would call for.
1: Yeah. And for everything I just said about him as a player, like it's really hard for aging running backs to remain relevant if they don't catch passes and stay on the field on passing downs.
0: Yeah. Any interest? We'll talk about some deeper waiver wire guys and, and Pierre Strong's on that list. Any interest in adding Strong this week in, in Dynasty Leagues? Just not, obviously, you're not putting a big fab bid out there, but is he a guy you want to have on the roster in case something happens to Ford now?
1: Yeah, similarly to Ford, Strong was somebody that I've been stashing. You know, you like to stash these backup running backs that could be something and then he got traded we actually had a couple of dynasty teams with both of them and he got traded to cleveland and i ended up dropping him in a few spots to clear space which is frustrating now i think yeah. he's worth an ad for sure um i think we could see him working more as he gets more familiar with the system
0: we, we will put him on the list now that was uh not the not the happiest way obviously to start the yeah. show but we, we it's it's puka nakua time and, and thomas has a nice uh, transition here for us
1: he had the highest yard per route run rate of any player in this class. In fact, um, among players who qualified, who have at least 500 routes run in their career, his yard per route run rate is higher than anyone other than Jalen Waddell among receivers taken um, in the first five rounds over the last five years. So higher than T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, Eddie Brown, DeFonday Smith, C. D. Lamb, Puka Nakua. Um, so maybe a name to know, uh, because the Rams really, I mean, after Cooper Cup, we really have no idea who's going to get the targets. <laughs> nice, tanked up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was from May on Fantasy Football Today. I have show notes, and I didn't go back and pull the show on this show, Fantasy Football Today Dynasty. We were talking in June with Dwayne McFarland about yeah. Puka Nakua and being a Dynasty buy and go get him. So this is a guy that you've been talking about basically since the draft. He's been talked about a lot on this show, and I, I love this time of year because. It's the time you can legitimately take a side here. Um, what he's done in the first two weeks of the season, earning 30 targets and second in the NFL and receiving yards. Even, even you didn't think that was going to happen, even if Cooper cup was out, but now we've got this strange thing. And I, and I posted a dynasty poll this morning, Puka Nakua, Jahan Dotson or Christian Watson. Puka has got about 50% of the vote. Um, just mopping the floor with those guys. I don't know how really to rank this guy. And so you're going to help me with that. I've got three questions. We always do the three questions for Jacob Gibbs, three questions for Chris Towers. we got three questions about Puka Nakua. And these are kind of the three things that go into my dynasty rankings. And then I'm going to tell you when we're done where I had them. And you tell me if I'm crazy, um, rest of season projections for Puka Nakua and give me, and you don't have to give me like a, a number. Where does he, where is he wide receiver wise? If Cooper Cup comes back week five and everything's fine, or if Cooper Cup doesn't ever really become Cooper Cup again this year?
1: If Cup doesn't come back and isn't fine, I think Nakua is legitimately like top 20 fantasy receiver, is totally okay. realistic. I've got him at wide receiver 15 this week he can fill so many roles and he's clearly the guy like, and the the role that, that he's getting with the first three targets and everything else, the percentage of everything he's getting, he's, he's counted for 45% of the receiving yards while he's been on the field. It's just absurd. Like it's, that's wide receiver one stuff. Um, if when cup is back, I still, Dan and I have talked about this quite a bit. Dan Schneier on um, beyond the box score. I still think he can play a really relevant role. Like he's, Somebody we saw used in a lot of different ways creatively in college. He can be used as a rusher. The Rams have gotten him involved that way a little bit so far. Um, he can work down the field in the intermediary, and then like we saw last week, he can do kind of the Cooper Cup stuff and really just kill zones. So I, I think he's going to be the starting flanker when Cup is back and still be pretty involved.
0: So you think uh, wide receiver, you said top 20 without Cup, um, 36-ish with Cup? I think that's about right. Yeah. It I mean,
1: like that is contingent on the Rams continuing to look good offensively, Stafford continuing to be healthy. Like if right. everything's functioning well and cup is back, I think he still could be relevant.
0: Okay. So I've got a, a number that I assign for a player's long term dynasty upside. It's not completely tethered to this year. It's just like in the next three years, what what's this guy's reasonable upside? Let's say eightieth percentile. Okay. I, you don't have to give me a, a number because you don't know what my scale is, but give me a few guys who you think Nakua's upside matches up pretty well to over the next three years. Hmm. Like, Like, things go right.
1: Right. Um, Jaden Reed is somebody who I, and we're definitely going to talk about today, I think that they're comparable. I want to think of some guys who aren't rookies. Yeah, not rookies, preferably. Right, yeah. Um... I think maybe Elijah Moore is a decent comparison. Somebody like that that can do fill a lot of different roles and has shown some encouraging data points so far, but it's a small sample size. John Dotson, honestly, I think the results in that poll that you posted are absolutely absurd. And I'm about as big of a Puka Nuku truther as you'll find, but people are so quick to just like give up on John Dotson. And it's like, this guy is really, really good. He's not in a situation that's necessarily very conducive to fantasy success right now, but don't sleep on Jahan Dotson. We had Matt Harmon on beyond the box score this summer. He's another guy who likes Puka Nuku as well. And he just is enamored with Jahan Dotson and what he's seen from him. He's and Matt's, he's just so good at evaluating wide receivers and finding Brandon. Ayuk is the latest guy who's just like absolutely broken out um, and is much better than people realize and has been for years. Um, so yeah, I think Dotson, I would rather have, um, the Nakua. What about I Christian think, Watson? Cause he was the other guy I, in the poll. Watson's who I voted for. I think the upset for Watson is like way higher than anything you're getting from Nakua. Mm-hmm. And I I love Nakua, but yeah. It's
0: really hard for me, and this is I think a, a, a good talking point right now. Like I think there's people out there that see a rookie gets earned 30 targets in his first two mm-hmm. NFL games, and hears this player has a lot more upside. And they're like, yeah. how is that possible? How can you have, like, and that's the thing is like, we're talking about reasonable upside, not 99% outcomes for all these guys. But, and this obviously has been so far, maybe even we didn't even think it was on the, the chart. But, like, it's trying to figure out what his upside is based on this type of starts. The,
1: the framework in the, the, the offensive environment that he's operating within right now is literally like, Perfect for yeah. just producing target volume. Like the Rams have had a ton of plays. Matthew Stafford feeds his wide receiver one. We've seen this with so many different guys. Like what happened to Kenny Galladay as soon as he got not attached to Matthew Stafford, and just in terms of volume. Like I, I love Nakua, but yeah, I don't think we should go overboard with it here. I think Michael Pittman is maybe another good okay. comparison from a profile standpoint. Like somebody who, within the right system, can be a fantasy wide receiver one and is legitimately a good player. Can be used in a lot of different ways. Um, But I don't think has the upside to push into like the top 10, top 12.
0: And then do 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 you think he's helped his floor case at all in his first two weeks? Or do you still think there's a pretty low floor over the next three years for Nakua? I think the only
1: reason to be concerned about the floor is one, we haven't been able to see him stay healthy at any point and like actually put together a full season even at the college level. And then two, it's just a small sample size. But those are both, you know, just things you have to, bake in in terms of risk in terms of what we've seen from him as a player and the role that he fills. I think there's
0: really no floor concerns. I lied. I said three questions, but we're going to, we're going to keep going on Puka Nuko because it does kind of sound like you're open to the idea that the the best course of action based on everybody else's value of him in reaction to the last two weeks is to sell Puka in Dynasty.
1: I am in some places. Um, I, I don't think you want to like go out of your way to sell him, but I think it's reasonable to hear people out if, if people come looking to trade for him, like, absolutely. I would engage in that 2024 first. I, I don't think so, unless it's a pick you think <laughs> has a chance to turn to Marvin Harrison or something. Cause like, yeah, but if I, if Puka Nakua is as good as Christian Watson or Jahan Dotson, like, I think that's more valuable than that at first.
0: Right. Well, and I think that's, that's the interesting thing is comparing him, not just to the wide receivers in this class, but the wide receivers to the last class. I'm just going to ask you one more because I know you're you're not quite as high on the put him in the Jahan Dotson Christian Watson conversation. So, I, what if the poll was a little different? And I know I didn't do this poll on Twitter because Puka would win 90. percent mm-hmm. But if it was George Pickens, Puka Nakua, and Quentin Johnston,
1: that would be Nakua for me. Um, yeah, I yeah I've got pretty serious concerns with both of those guys. Although it was really exciting when we saw from Pickens last night.
0: Right, we're going to talk about that more. And, and you mentioned the the first read looks for Pickens. We you don't have that information yet. We'll have that tomorrow, but I, I'm pretty sure it's going to be noticeably different. I just the thing I hesitate with with Pickens is it, how much do we value that spike in first read target share when the number one is gone?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a grain of salt they have to take with everything we saw last night, but the the pig point is that he did it at all. We literally yeah. haven't seen him be able to do that. And we haven't but like so much of that I think you can assign to the role that he's playing in Pittsburgh. He ran a go route 39% of the time last year. The next highest was 30%. Over 50% of his routes were go, corner or post routes. You just don't get targets on those routes. Those routes, right. the average target per run rate is 12%. That's so low. It's it's just been an impossible role for him to win in and to draw targets in and so like if we see him used as a wide receiver one, that at least leaves the upside that that's within his player profile. And he's not just Marquez
0: Valdez-Scanling. I'm glad that he's not just Marquez Valdez-Scanling. I do think he is still Gabe Davis with a worst quarterback, but that well, (laughs) we'll find out more about that moving forward with Deontay Johnson. Now on the IR, we're going to get at least three more weeks of George Pickens as we would expect to be this team's wide receiver one. Another piece of news here before we uh, just jump into the waiver wire. David Montgomery, I guess it's not technically news, but he basically came out and said that he thought he needed two to three weeks to let his quad thigh bruise heal. Um, They've already added Bam Knight off the practice squad. So it's Jameer Gibbs, it's Craig Reynolds, it's Bam Knight. Do you think that we're going to see Jameer Gibbs actually play like lead running back here or do you think who has more carries in the next two games craig reynolds plus bam knight or jameer gibbs reynolds and bam knight i hate it yeah but yeah i think that's the answer i i think this is opening the door if we get an an underwhelming jameer gibbs performance in week three to to really go by lower than where he was, I think if like with Montgomery being out of the picture, if it's a single digit carry game from Gibbs, and maybe he doesn't have quite as many forced targets as he had last week, um, I I do think that we're gonna see just a little bit of panic creeping in.
1: Yeah, no, I think that is a really good point. I brought him up as a buy, um, and this wasn't specific to Dynasty, but after week two, just because of that very thing, we saw him. Kind of fill in, but not really fill the full role, you know, and not do particularly right. well in week two. And so that is in people's minds. And then if we see this similar thing in week three, I think people might panic, you know, because there's he's so small that there is a potential that he's like CJ Spiller or something. Right. If you get somebody worrying about that, I,
0: I think that's interesting. It would be something if the Lions took CJ Spiller at 12th overall. Um, <laughs> with the way that team is set up for success and the way that division looks like it could be theirs for the taking this year, that that would be, uh, That'd be something. We're going to take a short break, then we're going to get to the waiver wire, and maybe we'll be adding Craig Reynolds. If you're looking for a podcast adventure, check out Dumb Dumbs and Dragons, a podcast where improvisers and comedians who've never role-played before journey into the world of Dungeons & Dragons. Dumb Dumbs and Dragons has been featured on the official Dungeons & Dragons podcast, ranked number two of all fiction podcasts in America, and has been downloaded more than four million times. Dumb Dumbs and Dragons can be discovered anywhere hilarious podcasts can be found. It's like Lord of the Rings, if everyone was an idiot Okay, so I, we'll, we'll talk about this. So the feedback I got from last week was mostly that we were in just about the right range. So what we're going to try to do, Jacob, with these waiver wire guys is, is look for guys who are rostered in less than 10% of leagues. We will tell you if somebody's in 25%, 30% of leagues um, because we think that they should be 100%. And obviously, Jerome Ford is that guy this week, 27% rostered in CBS leagues. Probably rostered in mo- in most twelve team dynasty leagues. Probably not in a lot of ten team dynasty leagues. If you see him on your waiver wire, and you're not used to finding starter production, is this a guy? If you're a contender, that's worth just ninety percent of the fab. I think so. No, a much better situation than than what we've seen the last couple of weeks from like what Joshua Kelly just gave us. Right.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think that was mostly matchup based for Kelly. Um, so I don't, yeah, just don't feel too bad if you did spend a lot of fab on him. I think it made sense with form forward. It's just like the role could be huge. It's totally realistic that like, he's the guy, they don't sign anyone that's within the range of outcomes. And he plays like 60% of the snaps or something. Right. And if he's doing that, he's a top 15 or 20 fantasy running back right now. And if you get that kind of season from him at how old is he? 24. Like, that's suddenly somebody who's really pretty valuable for Dynasty.
0: Well, and especially, like, good gosh. I, we knew coming into this year that there was a changing of the guard happening at running back. I didn't expect half the top 12 to get hurt in the first two weeks of the season. It's been an oh, absolute... Brutal. like, I, go, go, Good luck finding 12 running backs that you feel really good at ranking as an RB1 this week. We should all just do a show where we make fun of the guys we have ranked at 10 through 12 because it's an absolute disaster at running back. Anybody you can find with a role has some appeal. Um, Guys under 10% now. We've got Pierre Pierre Strong. We've got uh, Julio McLaughlin, who only saw one touch, but it was a touchdown. And I don't know that they're real enamored with Samaj P. Ryan. I wouldn't be surprised if McLaughlin's touches grow over the coming weeks. You gave Eric Gray and Zach Evans as options. I'm going to throw... Craig Reynolds into that and Bam Knight into that mix. Sure, like these are the guys who might actually be on the waiver wire in a, in a deeper league. Yeah. Do you have a preference? Are you are you happy with just putting a dollar or two out there for all of them and see which one you get?
1: Yeah, I think of the bunch, the most hypothetical upside belongs with Zach Evans. Um, I actually liked him quite a bit as a prospect. He's somebody yep. who was brought up on that Puka Nuku show in the summer. The Rams don't seem particularly into him
0: played ronnie rivers ahead of him this week i believe and but they
1: didn't give him any touches he was just a special teams guy and so i think that's kind of interesting sometimes when that happens because like that leaves open the possibility that he, if he is able to get on the active roster he would be ahead of Ro- ronnie rivers and getting the touches yeah um yeah none of the other guys really
0: stand out to me So Zach Evans is a, I'm adding him to my bench and he has the most hypothetical long-term upside, Mm. but we have a lot of guys who have lost Barkley and Chubb and have Taylor sitting on the pup. And like, I got to find somebody to put into my RB two spot this week. And as gross as these names are, um, I think, I think if I'm betting on one, it's probably Craig Reynolds this week.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. They've given him opportunities in the past when they do and he's performed reasonably well i think they like him they've kept him around for three years now or something so
0: right he can absolutely fill jamal williams 2022 shoes yeah. and handle the ball 16 times for 60 yards and he you runs he hard falls.
1: i like Greg Reynolds.
0: yeah oh yeah i think uh at this stage of their career and that's another guy um who went down on monday night jamal williams i don't have a great deal of confidence that i I didn't get the the insinuation that kendra miller's close did you i know he he got some practices in last week but it wasn't ever like oh he might go um another guy on this list might be tony jones if you're just looking for one week
1: yeah that's a good call i forgot about tony jones but yeah of course two touchdowns went to him last night helping absolutely nobody um he could see some work
0: so at wide receiver i've got uh one guy I actually want to add, and then some some lower rostered guys as well, Josh Reynolds is still just rostered in 21% of leagues. And like if it's 21% with a rookie, you assume that guy is owned in all dynasty leagues. But 21% for a guy that's 27, 28 years old, Reynolds might still be available. I he- I hear some people saying, well, he's going to be good for at least another month until Jamison Williams comes back. Um I kind of think he's probably going to be better than Jamison Williams when Jamison Williams comes back with that connection to golf and just the little time that Williams has had in this system. Do you think Josh Reynolds can be a decent flex option for a majority of the rest of the year?
1: Yeah, I, I don't think he's anything special as a player, but um, they need somebody to stretch the field. I wish they would like make a move and get Mike Evans or something like that because it's kind of rough watching their offense at times. Um, but yeah, I think he
0: is decently fantasy viable at this point. He, he is one of those guys, and it's kind of a, like we have this conversation with running backs a lot. Jamison Williams, much better at stretching the field once he's active because he's he's a lot faster and he can do some really special things. But Josh Reynolds is going to go to the place where Jared Goff thinks he's going to be because they've yeah. played together for like seven years. So I, I, I think Reynolds is probably going to have some sort of role. Three other guys that were 11% rostered or less, all veterans. Robert Woods doesn't appear to be going anywhere, at least his targets don't. We'll see if C.J. Stroud keeps throwing it 40 times per game, but he's only 11% rostered. Chase Claypool emerged after almost getting benched, um, and Darnell Mooney hurt his knee. Eight targets for Claypool last week. And then I kind of think Devontae Parker's probably the wide receiver one for the Patriots until he gets hurt again. He's definitely the wide
1: receiver one. He didn't come off the field in his first game back, which is nuts. Immediately, Kendrick Bourne's snap rate fell to 50%. Um, Yeah, I think Devontae Parker is worth an ad if you
0: need somebody right now. (sighs) Who are the other we, two? I'm, I'm we just wish Robert Woods. W- I mean, I, I love Robert Woods and he's had a great career and he was a fantastic value for a couple of years. I don't mean anything negative towards Robert Woods, but maybe somebody could trade for him because I just want all the targets to go to Nico and Tank Dill. I kind
1: of think that they will. I don't know. I've been really surprised at how involved Robert Woods has been. And I kind of do think those guys are going to take over. Tank, Dude, what we saw from Tank this week was really exciting
0: absolutely I absolutely loved it I it's a little bit sad that it took Noah Brown going on the IR for it to happen but yeah I think if Tank Dell can stay healthy he's going to be a a force a couple of quarterbacks one for one quarterback leagues and he's 30% rostered but I and this will probably not be well received I think the Raiders are going to give Pittsburgh a lot of trouble this week And I think Jimmy Garoppolo is probably going to like the Steelers pass rush is fantastic, but they're getting rid of the ball so quick. That's what McDaniels does. That's what Jimmy Garoppolo does. Steelers on a short week traveling to Vegas to face this hungry Raiders team. I wouldn't mind streaming Jimmy Garoppolo in a pinch. And then in a two quarterback league, go add Gardner Minshew. We all hope that Anthony Richardson gets out of the concussion protocol and starts this week, but Minshew looked serviceable once again. Yeah, I think those are both
1: good calls. I had
0: Garoppolo as a streamer for this week. Fantastic. Um, just two really, really low rostered tight ends, maybe only for your tight end premium leagues. But I'm really excited. And I want to know how you feel about this because it's always that he's getting the work that we want versus the production. Jake Ferguson has, what, seven red zone targets in the first two weeks? Yeah. Yeah. He's also been almost as bad as Kadarius Tony. In terms of like what he's done when they've actually thrown him the ball, he's he may be even worse. Um, and Luke Schumaker, who was a guy I liked quite a bit coming out, and then struggled with injuries all off season, scored his first touchdown. He's two percent roster. I think he was early in the process, maybe a third round rookie pick, and then when he couldn't even get to practice, he kind of fell off the radar. I, I want to go back and make sure that he's rostered in my in my deeper dynasty leagues because I do think that Ferguson's handle on that tight end one role might not be that strong.
1: Yeah, they've been letting Peyton Hendershot play quite a bit. Ferguson hasn't played quite as much as I thought, and that's not only affected by the blowouts. Even during the first half, his uh, route involvement rate has been lower than I expected. So it's possible that somebody creeps in there because, like you said, he's struggled a little bit, been a little inconsistent. Yeah.
0: And then uh, I guess Durham Smythe. Had eight targets in week one. He caught three passes against the Patriots, who don't ever give up anything to tight ends. Yeah, Jalen Waddell doesn't seem to be fully healthy at all. Um, he might, he might be an okay stream.
1: Definitely tight end premium leagues. Definitely grab him. Um, he doesn't come off the field. He's played 100 percent of the snaps. So
0: yeah, confirmed better than Mike Gesicki. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> we're we're never giving up on Mike Gesicki. Uh, maybe Arthur Smith can uh, trade for Gesicki next year and play him over Kyle Pitts. <laughs> Stop. Uh, let's, <laughs> let's take another short break we'll get to some of my risers and fallers jacob sent in some names as well after week two Citizen Sleuths are focusing on the brutal slayings of four college kids. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. This is the start of something major. Follows online detectives as they unravel the mystery of the infamous Idaho college murders. There's plenty of places to hide a weapon. And turned it into a social media phenomenon. Quit a roommate. It yeah. is a huge night. I want the truth from you. you. Hashtag Cyber Sleuths. The Idaho Murders. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. So we are going to do risers and fallers, but there's two wide receivers. And these guys, I think, mostly are rising. Devontae Smith rose a little bit for me this week. Um, Tank Dell and Nico Collins, both rising. Two wide receiver duos here where I have a hard time figuring out who to rank higher. Um, A.J. Brown's been ranked higher by the community than Devontae Smith by a decent margin for most of the last year. I've kind of gone back and forth and flip-flopped those guys. You look at the last 17 games... 17, including the playoffs, so a full season. Devontae Smith's actually scored slightly more fantasy points than A.J. Brown. He's obviously off to a, a very fast start here, and he's about a year and a half younger than Brown. Do you think Smith and Brown, that, that gap is shrinking, or would you maybe, I, I think right now I'd prefer Smith? Yeah,
1: that gap is definitely shrinking. Um, really, I think the only reason to have Brown higher at this point is that he's shown like true wide receiver one alpha target dominance um at several stops along the way um we haven't seen that from Devontae yet but we did see it in college and like really can you blame him for not being a target hog at this point in his career with the circumstances he's had i I think i wouldn't blame anyone for preferring Devontae smith i think what we've seen from him is incredibly exciting wrote about him a lot this offseason because he from year one to year two, drastically improved, um, versus man and press coverage. And that's really, really exciting signal when you see that from a young receiver and yeah, you just watch him. The dude is so freaking
0: good. He's always open. He just glides out there. No one can cover him. Those guys are both top 12 wide receivers. The next duo, not quite that high, but rising Nico Collins and tank Dell. You'd sent in tank as one of your risers. I know you were big on Nico this, this off season. It's been a fantastic start for him. I think Nico again, about a year and a half older than Tank Dell. I, mm-hmm. I think profile-wise, I know height's a problem, but like, I I see more upside with Dell if he overcomes the height concern. Hmm. Um, I think he has more elite traits than Nico Collins does. But Collins is the wide receiver one right now. Do you have these two close in your dynasty rankings?
1: Yeah, Dell is sneaking up on on Nico. They're both going up the rankings. I like both players quite a bit. Tank Dell, man. He led all of college football and receiving over the past two seasons. His route data is insane. He can win all over the field at different levels. And he he's like Devontae Smith. And we're seeing this now where Tutu Atwell, we're seeing smaller receivers be able to get on the field and survive and also win. And like Tank Dell is just, he moves differently, man. He's so smooth. He's electric and cornerbacks can't keep up with him. We saw him just absolutely dominating during the preseason as well. And then he comes out here. I think this is an interesting list. It's the percentage of their team's receiving yards that each rookie has accounted for. Do you want me to go through all of it? Yes.
0: I I saw this on on Twitter and I'd like to uh, definitely do
1: it. So this is while these players are on the field, only accounting for the plays that they have played. Uh, Puka Nuku at the top has 45% of the Rams receiving yards when he's been on the field. Then Jaden Reed from Green Bay, 42%. Jalen Hyatt, 40%. Super small sample size, but that's exciting. 37% 37% Zay Flowers, 29% Jameer Gibbs, 27% B. John Robinson, 27% Roshan Johnson, 26% Jordan Addison, 25% Tank Dell. Um, so that's a great range to be in there. 22% Sam Laporta, 21% Jackson Smith and Jigba, 21% Luke Musgrave, 20% Josh Downs.
0: Now go ahead and give the uh, the 18 snap sample size of the guy that you left off the list. Is this Richie Rice or Marvin Mims? Rishi Rice? Rishi Rice.
1: <laughs> Rishi Rice has played 18, he's run 18 routes, and he has 46% of the Chiefs' targets and 75% of the receiving yards on those plays.
0: He, did his snap share actually go down last week? Yeah. That was so strange. He had such a good first half week one, completely disappeared from the game plan in week in, in the second half of week one, and then I barely saw him on the field in week two.
1: I think they just have him as a package player right now. And because Kelsey was out, they had more of those plays that involved his packages because they needed somebody to catch and run. Um, I think they've got their clear starters and Marcus Valdez-Scantling and Sky Moore. And then Kadarius Tony is kind of ahead of him on those package plays. Um, but I think we're going to see him get a lot more involved as the year goes on.
0: So you you would rank those three Chiefs in dynasty, Rice, Tony Moore. Yeah, yeah, I've been out on Sky the whole time. I just don't see it, man. I they're all around wide receiver 50 ish for me. I think I currently have it Tony Moore, Rice, but I it's hard to have a strong feeling about any of those guys. I don't understand the it almost seems like Patrick Mahomes is a really big fan of Kadarius Tony and Andy Reid is not. Um, because if Tony's on the field, that's where Mahomes is looking. But he man, he just he can't play more than twenty snaps a game.
1: Yeah. Tony just gets peppered with targets. His target per route run rate is insane. And on the opposite end of that, we have Sky Moore with an eleven percent target per route run rate. It's really, really hard to be productive when you only get targeted on a tenth of your routes and your average depth of targets like six yards.
0: That's no, that's that's not a good profile. Although that average depth of target got helped by by the, by the deep shot, I guess, and and we'll see if one of these guys. It's it's really, and I think it has to do with what you said about Tank Dell as well, because um, I think this defensive change has opened the door to guys like him. It's the it's the too high, it's the shell coverage. It's it's taking away a lot of the stuff we saw Mahomes and, and Josh Allen and Burrow do so well two or three years ago. And when defenses are playing like that, it is easier to get the smaller, shiftier guys on the field. You don't necessarily need somebody to do what George Pickens does and rise, run down the sideline and win 50-50 balls. Because it's not 50-50, it's 33-33-33 by the time the ball gets there because there's so many defenders back there. Let's get to some dynasty risers. Now, you said... George Pickens, we already talked about uh, Tank Dill, Jaden Reed, and Tyje Spears. You were encouraged by last night. And I, I, I understand that completely. What Do you view Pickens like a number three Dynasty wide receiver?
1: Um, yeah, and I think that's much lower than most people have him for Dynasty. Right. I, I've been super worried about him given the usage so far. Yeah. And last night... I don't have the first read target data. Um, just looking at the routes that he ran, they did use him on slants twenty seven percent of the time. After not running a single slant in week one, let me pull up his slant rate last year. Probably was not high four percent of his routes last year. So that's different. That's really the only change they made. He still ran a ton of go routes. He still ran a ton of corner and post routes. Um, so that's that's kind of interesting. But it also that's a pretty simple route. It's not like he was working in any sort of nuanced way, given just a quick look at the rat tree last night.
0: Yeah, it's it's George Pickens. And I've got him, I think, at wide receiver 31 or 30 in Dynasty. Uh, He and Quentin Johnston are kind of uh, back-to-back. and Right now, I would take Pickens first, but it wouldn't take much for Johnston to pass him. Jaden Reed, um, I've been really impressed with what he's done. And he's another one I think we could do the teammate thing with. Uh, Would you rather in Dynasty Jaden Reed or Romeo Dobbs? Oh, easily, Reed. It's been Reed from the get-go for me. Yeah. Yeah, I
1: love Reed's profile. Dobbs, I think, can be a decent real-life player, but he's not someone who's ever drawn targets at a high rate, even in college. He just doesn't... The way that he plays doesn't
0: profile as a fantasy-relevant guy. So, Reed doing some downfield stuff, what do you think their distribution of routes looks like when Christian Watson's back who's functioning in that in the the short area of the field who's who's got the high eight dot in that offense uh,
1: i think Dobbs and Watson are working deep but Reed can do it as well i don't, honestly i don't think that the offense in terms of what Dobbs and Reed are doing right now is going to change hardly at all yeah i think Watson just kind of fills that Dontavian Wick's role much more effectively Um, and then they have a few package design plays for Watson as well, just getting the ball in his hands, um, on quick looks. But one of the things I've been most excited about with Jaden Reed so far is the fact, and this maybe seems counterintuitive, but he's, he's playing only in three receiver sets. And so his role is not going to change when Watson gets back. He's it's not, it's not like he's benefiting from Watson's absence, um, in terms of like getting more snaps or anything like that. And the other reason that This is exciting that he's done this work in three receiver sets. I did this research this offseason, and three receiver sets you're much less likely to draw a target, and your yard per route run rate efficiency goes down as well. I think this makes sense, just you know, anecdotally, like if there's only two wide receivers on the field, you're only competing with one other target earner, presumably, assuming the tight ends and running backs aren't you know significant target earners. And so the fact that Jaden Reed, even while only running in three receiver sets, which typically lower target per route run rate, is still third in the entire NFL in target per route run rate, behind only Puka Nukua and Tyreek Hill. I think that is really, really exciting and has me really bullish on his
0: long-term outlook. Do you think there's a chance by midseason that we see Reed on the field for two wide receiver sets and Romeo Dobbs is the guy only playing in three? I hope so. Um, I think that that would
1: require Christian Watson to prove to Green Bay that he can be the X receiver yeah, because um, I don't think that Reed's going to be the X receiver. I think if he's on the field in two receiver sets, he profiles as the flanker. Um, and so, yeah, I don't. We haven't seen that from Watson really to right. this point. I think that they trust Dobbs in that role, and so I think it's unlikely.
0: Okay, so Reed probably still going to be like a sixty percent snap guy for most of the year.
1: Yeah. I think Reed, I don't want to get people too excited with the data. I don't, I think it's unlikely that this year he's going to be very relevant in fantasy. I think what we've seen so far is about the best case outcome in terms of production with the role that he's playing. And I don't think the role is going to change a whole lot.
0: Jaden Reed or Tank (laughs) Dill?
1: That's really tough. Um, I liked Jaden Reed more as a player, as a profile. I had him ranked higher going into the year but I did like Tank Dell, and part of the reason you you had to hedge a little bit with Tank Dell, just because his profile is so unique. We haven't seen players right. succeed at this size, but now that we've seen him succeed, I, I, on some level at least, that's encouraging and opens the door for him to move up. And also, he has the potential to be an every down player in this offense. We saw in Week Two. I don't know. I'm I've been trying to find answers on this, but Nico Collins was third on the Texans in routes run, and Tank Dell was just behind Robert Woods. He ran 44 routes, uh, 47 for Robert Woods. So even even in week one, you said we needed the injury, um, to Noah Brown to get him on the field, but he actually played, I think close to 50% of snaps in week one. They just rotated him in quite a bit, um, which I thought was really encouraging. So, and this week, John Mechie came back and I was like, I wonder if they're going to split it, um, between him and Mechie, but no, it was like all tank Dell. And so they, they clearly trust them. Um, so yeah, there's, there's upside for Tank Dell to like really run away with it this year, which I don't think really exists for Reed, barring right. an injury to Romeo Dobbs.
0: Yeah, I I could see a situation where Tank Dell becomes C.J. Stroud's number one wide receiver maybe for half yeah. of the season. I don't know that Jaden Reed's going to be anybody's number one wide receiver. I've got three risers here. Um, Kirk Cousins, not somebody I expected to be talking about ever again as a dynasty riser. He was QB 22 for me. He's QB 20 now. But I do think, and I don't know if if you've kind of had this – light bulb, or if you were already there, um, he, he, I think he might lead the league in passing. Yeah. And the touchdown misfortune from last year, I'm not expecting to continue into this year. And so he's probably going to throw 35 touchdown passes. I'm not so sure. I mean, I did the f- projections, the first run for this week at home against the Chargers with an over under of 54. Kirk Cousins was my QB one. I'm not going to rank him quite that high. But I think this is a guy, if you're a contender and you're just kind of eking it out at quarterback, I I don't know that he's just a – what he's usually been, a low-end number one quarterback. He might actually be a difference maker. He might throw for 5,000 yards this year.
1: Love that. Yeah, Uh, Kirk Cousins, Geno Smith, and Jared Goff are three guys that I all – they all – fit into a similar archetype where like they're left for dead for dynasty purposes. But like those guys could easily be top 10 quarterbacks this year. If their defenses struggle and they get into these shootouts, they've got amazing weapons around them and offenses that will likely, you know, center around the pass if they're in neutral game scripts. Um So yeah, I, I think that's a great call.
0: I had Brian Robinson and Kyron Williams back to back coming into this week at RB 32 and RB 33. Both of them moved up this week. That was obviously before I knew Cam Akers was going to be inactive and then on the trade block. Of course, I think people should remember that Cam Akers being inactive and on the trade block does not mean that he won't be the RB1 at the end of the year because he was inactive and on the trade block last year. Uh, Now I've got Robinson RB 23. I've been really impressed with his usage in the passing game. And it seems like Antonio Gibson is just almost completely in the doghouse. Robinson might just be a feature back. He won't keep scoring touchdowns like this, but might be a feature back. And then Kyron Williams RB 26. Do you prefer Robinson or Williams? And are you moving these guys up?
1: I am hesitant to move them up very aggressively in dynasty. Um, I think, The setup that we've seen for each of them in the first two games is pretty much ideal. We hit on it with Puka Nakua. The Rams have run a ton of plays, um, and they've been behind, and so it's just been a a good setup for Kyron to really be involved. And then on the opposite side of that, we see Washington has played with a lead um, and really been able to lean on Robinson, um, and they've got some games coming up where that's not going to be the case probably so i want to see what it's going to look like going forward and not be too reactionary to what we've seen but both guys have played better than i would have expected robinson particularly robinson has avoided uh 10 tackles through two games which is six in the nfl i think Um, that's a big improvement from what we saw last year and i think it's entirely possible that he'll be better than we saw last year because it took him some time to probably get up to speed after getting shot in the leg he also has accounted for over 75% of the running back rush attempts in both games, which he yep. didn't do in a single game last year. Um, so both of those things are pretty dang exciting.
0: And the running back position is a complete and total dumpster fire. Yeah. Right now. Like and that's the thing, is I it feels too high to me to have them in that RB twenty five range. But I don't I don't have twenty five running backs that I feel really good about. Like a guy who's been in that range for a while has been AJ Dillon. Because yeah. I just kept thinking that, you know, Aaron Jones is getting older. A.J. Dillon's going to get a chance, and he's going to be awesome. I'm not sure A.J. Dillon's any good anymore.
1: Yeah, both those guys over Dillon for sure. What do you think about Isaiah Pacheco? I want to get your Chiefs insight. The role that we've seen him play recently is really exciting. If you want to talk about running back rest share, his has been higher than it's ever been. He's run more routes than any running back on the Chiefs each of the past two weeks, which is also exciting. He's been more involved in the red zone than normal. So he's getting some of this work. that we went to McKinnon last year. Um, I think just draft capital wise, it's hard to move him ahead of Robinson for dynasty, but how do you
0: compare him and Kyron? I see. I had him at 31 last week, so he was a a spot ahead of these two guys and they've both moved ahead of him. He's still at 31. A couple of guys moved behind him as well. I just, this is another one of those situations where how much do you care about the share of the running back rush attempts? If it means he's going to run the ball 10 to 13 times per game. True. Like, yeah. that's just not that. And I don't really believe, and this could be wrong, like McKinnon hasn't looked like he's still the same guy. But I don't really believe that when we get to November and December, Pacheco is going to be running more routes than Jarek McKinnon. I, I expected them to open the season with McKinnon and bubble rep, and use him more as the season goes on, which is kind of what they've done the last two seasons. So I'm pretty skeptical on Pacheco. The one guy... Um, and we've talked about this a lot on this show, you and I, the last six months. Those day three or UDFA running backs who surprise as rookies, mm-hmm. and generally, the best thing you can do is go sell them. And I really pushed back against that with only one guy. I was on board with that with with Pacheco for sure. Like go sell him if you can. Um, go sell Algier if you can. I thought Damian Pierce was the guy who who was different. And man, does that look like a complete disaster the first two weeks of the season?
1: Yeah, the offensive line has been a complete disaster. I don't think anything about Damian Pierce has changed. Um, I think Damian Pierce is the truth. And I remember why isn't he playing
0: more? Why, why I, are they playing Mike Boone and Dario Goomba 30% of the snaps?
1: I think because the offensive line is a disaster and they must prefer those guys as blockers or they want them out there as quick checkdowns. I'm not really sure. I've, I've been surprised by that. Um, I'm definitely concerned about Damian Pierce. I'm not right. I'm not. Yeah, just ignoring what's going on. Um, but I think we will see hopefully things turn around as the line gets a little bit healthier and they just kind of get things figured out there a little bit. Um, I wanted to bring on Roshan Johnson. How does he compare to the two guys we're talking about here for
0: you? Um, he is just a little bit behind those guys for me. Um, it definitely has the
1: potential to move ahead if he oh, starts taking more work. Yeah,
0: it, I think he that's the whole so thing. Good. And, and it's, it's always like he has looked good in that complimentary role. And it's do the Bears want to give him 15 carries in a game ever? Um, because I, I think if he got that type of workload, then yeah, I could see him jumping these guys for sure. He, he, he looks really good. I'm not sure that the bears or anybody else will view him as a full-time running back. Hmm. But I, I, you don't have to try very hard to convince me that he's better than Khalil Herbert. I think he's definitely better, better as a pass catcher, um, and probably, and as a blocker. Um, so dynasty fallers, here's one that's no fun at all. Justin Fields. My gosh, make, make me feel better about this. Cause the first two weeks have looked like I, and I, I tweeted about this Sunday and I hinted at it last week, but I'm sure you've watched Anthony Richardson and Justin Fields this year. I think Richardson looks a lot more comfortable in a pocket.
1: Yeah. I'm not, I'm not the guy to make you feel better about Justin Fields. I'm sorry. Uh, I really enjoy the work of, um, JT, Oh man, I'm blanking on his name, the quarterback school. You can find yeah. him on Twitter. His YouTube channel is phenomenal. He's documented Justin Fields and the Bears' uh, dysfunction and, and just complete panic and struggle for every step along the way. In the preseason, it was a complete disaster. It was rough last year, and it's been worse this year. Um, he he truly f- feels panicked back there. Um, he doesn't trust the system. He, he doesn't trust the line. I won no part of it.
0: See, I've dropped him to QB8 and I don't think it's far enough. Um, but it's still, I do have a hope because what they're doing right now is makes sense to me if the plan for this year was let's find out if Justin Fields can play quarterback without using his legs, and then we can bring the legs back into it. But let's see, let's we gotta find out this year if we've got a quarterback or not. And so far, he doesn't look like it, but I don't think we would have this same concern if Shane Steichen had been his quarterback's his coach the past two or three years. I, I think there's a possibility that week four, week five, the Bears say, okay, scrap that. Let's do what we were doing in the second half of last year.
1: Yeah, I think you, you might be right. I've got him at QB9, and I'm looking at it now. I think I could easily move Stroud ahead of him and Bryce Young as well um young has struggled but man it could not get worse than the setup he's got in carolina i think stroud has looked really good <sighs> yes yeah.
0: um where do you have Tua ahead of him then
1: i don't wow yeah Tua would be ahead of him at this point yeah i didn't i missed him so yeah qb
0: 10 is where i would have fields right now and then it's i mean it might be three weeks and kyler murray's back and kyler murray's ahead of him uh, it, no, I, I feel I feel really bad about the way things look for Justin Fields. And some of it I think is like he's not improved at the things that we really needed him to improve on. And some of it is they're not giving him any help. Yep. Um, like the the way they're structuring this offense, I just don't think is going to work with him. George Kittle was tight end seven, fell to tight end nine. There's not a lot of big movers at tight end this week for me, but are you getting concerned at all that we've like are done seeing George Kittle as a number one tight end?
1: Brother, I have been concerned. I had George Kittle ranked as a tight end twelve going into the year for Dynasty. Yeah, yeah. His per route rates have gotten progressively worse for like four years. He, this is just not what you want to see from an aging profile, especially one who's had so many injuries over the years. No, yeah.
0: So that makes it to where Debo and Brandon Ayuk can both be top twenty-four wide receivers.
1: I think so. Yeah, that's part of it. Is like I am f- like full-sinned on Brandon Ayuk being a superstar. Like I, I think he's ascending. He had a bad week last week because he really got hit hard. Um, it was clearly shaken up, but I think he's taking over there and it's tough for Kittle with those two
0: and Christian McCaffrey. Uh, Rondale Moore, another guy I was just too high on. I've dropped him to wide receiver 54 now. It's been a terrible start to the year. Is Are there any of the under 10% rostered running backs that we talked about that you would drop Rondale Moore for in Dynasty?
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so unless you really needed to start one yeah. right now then i guess i could see it i i'm yeah i'm pretty much all the way out on Rondale as well when i saw this preseason they weren't letting him play in anything but three receiver sets like they tried to play him on the perimeter last year and just did not work at all we've never seen him be anything other than a gadgety guy right and then this year he's a total afterthought he's been targeted on 10 of his routes like sky moore we said that the that recipe doesn't work for sky Moore with an average depth of target of six yards like Rondo's is one yard and right so like no no
0: thank you I think so you, you had a couple of other moors on your fallers dj moore and sky Moore. um i know dj's the best but would you, you you can only hold on to one this week you've got somebody you need to add to your roster would you rather have sky or rondale i'd rather have sky
1: yeah yeah he's playing in a better offense he's mm-hmm. Potentially able to work down the field. Matt Harmon has been um, cautiously optimistic about what he saw from Sky. He thinks that he can win, um, but
0: yeah, I, I think it's over for Rondell. Honestly, let's bring another more into this discussion because I've I, I've dropped DJ Moore so much in the last year. Um, thankfully, I haven't dropped him any leagues, but in dynasty rankings for sure, he only went down one spot in the last week. I, but there's a, another more we haven't talked about. Um, who hasn't really done much this year either? Elijah Moore. So Elijah Moore or DJ Moore in your dynasty rankings.
1: This is such a depressing conversation, man. <laughs> you and I have been like two of the people just like pounding the table, like DJ Moore is good. Uh yeah, I I think that DJ Moore is still the answer. Um I'm curious, he's not that much older than Elijah Moore, right? I think he's and, three years older. Two and a half at least, least yeah. Um and he, I think, has a potential to be the wide receiver one still, like this year. Right. It could happen. Yeah, he's three years old, I recall. Man, that's really brutal. I think they're pretty much interchangeable, honestly. Sorry to give such a weak
0: answer. Could I change one of my dynasty team's names to More Is Less with yeah. the last name More? Because, good gosh. Yeah, it's rough.
1: I liked all these guys. I was pretty excited about all these guys like a couple years ago. <laughs>
0: right right yes um last one on your losers list and and i didn't even mention him i i I moved him down for sure i gotta look to see uh how far he's fallen but alec pierce a a really bad bad start to the year for him as well um he's i think he's behind all the moors for me yeah i would have him ahead
1: of rondo um but it's it's been brutal for Alec Pierce. He looks like he might not be in the league for much longer, which seems insane for a second-round pick. Um, he's trying to target on 7% of his routes this year. He was completely invisible during the preseason. They really like Josh Downs, and he's looked really good. So they've got three potentially pass catchers there. If one of Jelani Woods or Kylan Granson emerges, they're ahead of Pierce. Um, I just don't think there's going to be any volume for him. And he's just he's been really inefficient and also with the types of routes that he runs, he's kind of like George Pickens where he's just doing downfield stuff and just not ever getting anything for fantasy. It's rough. I wouldn't so, want to fail completely just cause he is young and like he was a project, I think coming right. in a little bit. Um, so yeah, ahead of Rondale, but behind sky.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Okay. So let's, let's finish it off on a more positive note. We've got some Puka tweets from uh early this morning that uh, I received in the inbox and this one's just uh, Puka adjacent. Would you try to trade for Cooper Cup or are you concerned with what Puka's doing that he won't have as much target share?
1: Um that is really interesting. I I could see it if you could get Cup at a reasonable price and you're like clearly a win now team. Um I I love, you know, trying to go after these guys at a discount like elite players in dynasty um when you have news like this i went and traded for jonathan taylor in a few spots even though i don't necessarily love his profile and cup was somebody i was looking into as well but the hamstring scares me and the way that they've talked about it scares me um it could be really rough if you give real
0: assets for him to be like your win now piece and then he just doesn't come back I, yeah I've got a couple of those rosters and I'll I'll tell you you can you can grade my trade cuz it's it's not the type of trade that is, you generally want to be making in dynasty but I'm a contender 2 and 0 top scoring team in the league very little wide receiver depth. I traded Tank Dill and Sam LaPorta. I received Mike Evans and DeAndre Hopkins. Huh. Like you hate it. But at the same time, it might be a pair of top 20 wide receivers.
1: Yeah. I'm a little bit worried that Hopkins is, is gassed. Like he has not looked good. And then now trying to play through this ankle injury. I, I hate that for him. Um, But on the other end of that, Mike Evans has looked great, right? He, he's demanding targets. Like we've never seen before. Like he looks rejuvenated. Like I'm, I'm, I I think I could see it, Heath. You're going to get killed if you post that trade on Twitter by Dynasty people, but I could see it with the team setup.
0: Right. So one more Puka question. What running back should I be targeting if I'm trying to sell high on Puka? Is it even possible to sell high on Puka? No, we've, we've established that it is. Jacob is open to it. You're, you're just, your running back situations. And this is a very realistic situation. I think there's a lot of people probably have five wide receivers that they were planning on starting above Puka and they've Mm -hmm. lost three running backs in the first two weeks of the season. They need to go get running back help. Who are you trying to trade Puka for?
1: Yeah, obviously these questions are kind of hard to answer in a vacuum, but if you have a team that is more long-term, like a team that has Josh Jacobs or has, Jonathan Taylor or has Saquon Barkley or someone like that, that has more of a long-term outlook Then maybe you can trade Puka and a pick or something like that for one of those guys.
0: Jacobs Um, was the first guy that came to my mind. Like I thought he's, his value is I I guess it's fallen on people's. It's so weird with guys like Jacobs and Joe Mixon and Miles Sanders who have just been terribly inefficient, but they're not hurt and they're still getting all the touches. So
1: Jacobs has negative eight yards before contact through two games he has 46 rushing yards and 54 of them have come after contact through two games. It's been... Uh, I bet that like gets better man. against the Steelers this week. Yeah, it's been as bad as a could kid. I don't know if it will get much better against the Steelers, hopefully. Um, yeah, so I think he's somebody who's been undervalued, just kind of perpetually undervalued by the dynasty community, by the fantasy community at large. And so to see him struggle early, you might be able to get him cheap. Um, I think... If you believe in Damian Pierce, you could do that. If you want to take a shot on Jameer Gibbs, he's somebody we mentioned, you might be able to do that. Um, it just it depends. If you I mean, like if you've got somebody who's a bit reactionary to what's going on right now, then right. And they have Jameer Gibbs and they see what Bukunaku is doing, it sounds absurd.
0: <laughs> you might, especially after week three. I got, yeah, we get a 15 carry Craig Reynolds game where Reynolds scores the team's touchdown. I think it's absolutely possible you could trade Puka for Jameer Gibbs. That's so wild. What a world. Uh, l- l- last one I'll ask you, and this was a-, a legitimate question I received, and I want you to think about it before you laugh or um react. It's kind of sad too. Um, Puka or Kyle Pitts in Dynasty. <sighs> I don't want to think about that. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> it's it's still pits right right <laughs> yeah <laughs> please yeah uh yeah it's still pits it's still, I'm a, yeah. I, I will guarantee you if i put that poll on twitter puka is gonna win like 80 like 70 20. 30 yeah for yeah, sure absolutely it's been you know congratulations happy puka Nakua day i hope you all enjoyed it and uh i, I know that i certainly have we will uh, we'll be right back here next week. We will talk to you next week. This
1: is Sandra Oreta from Attacking Third, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Golazo Network dedicated to all things women's soccer. With the NWSL expanding to 14 teams, the 2024 season promises to be bigger and better than ever, and attacking third will be along for the ride from start to finish. Before that, though, we'll be all over the CONCACAF W Gold Cup, where the U.S. Women's National Team is looking to clinch silverware on home soil. We'll also be keeping tabs on the Winter Transfer Window, the Women's Super League, the UEFA Women's Champions League, and elsewhere. Coming to you multiple times a week with game previews, recaps, analysis, breaking news, exclusive interviews, and more, Attacking Third is your one-stop shop for the best coverage of the women's game. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Make sure you subscribe to Attacking Third.